HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S., They're using this romance and fantasy to say, dates are exotic and you should consume them. I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very, like, personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, pourable, tossable, munchable, crunchable with your host, me, a grumpy person, and me, a grumpy person. (laughs) Okay, great. Two fucking grumps who don't like football getting ready to talk about some football. Why are you grumpy, Zara? I think it's just, life's just getting to me. It sounds like you just did a line of cocaine. I did. And now I feel better. <laughs> and now, miraculously, I'm not grumpy anymore. <clears throat> I guess it could have been a line of literally anything, but I just assumed. I thought this was a baseball episode, so I'm here sitting with Daryl Strawberry. We're, we're doing coke. <laughs> was that his thing? He was into coke? Oh, yeah. All those 86 Mets. Mm. All those. The, you got Keith Hernandez, Doc Gooden. They all loved loved the uh, the blow. So you know about some sports, just not football. I really only know about the 86 Mets from a nostalgic point of view because a lot of my friend group in like high school and college was a bunch of like graffiti writing dudes who were all into the 86 Mets. And I was like, that's cool. And then I got into it too. The the mystique behind how a group of folks played a sports game and then also won the World Series while smoking in the dugout. And doing lines of cocaine in the dugout between games is miraculous. And they made an album called Get Get Metsmerized. In the 80s were a crazy time. I have a little child vintage sweatshirt. 
from the 86 Mets is very cute. I can fit you it do? into it. Yeah. Oh, what an excellent find. Give it, oh, yeah. give it here. I had an 86 Mets vintage hat that was my grandpa's and uh, I wore it at Brucey a lot. And one of the general managers took it one day and threw it out. And I was like, where's my hat? He's like, oh, I threw it out. It was dirty. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I threw it out. It was dirty. Okay. Whatever. It's just a hat. It's fine. Let it go, Tangora. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Was it dirty? I mean, sure. It was probably <laughs> dirty. I can't imagine it was that dirty that it needed to be, like, removed from the planet. <laughs> you know, the best way to wash your hat, Zara, is to put it in the dishwasher. Okay? That's a that's a pro tip. I have recently heard that. I love it. Um, and I'm going to get another hat and get it dirty and put it in the dishwasher. Why am I grumpy? I don't know. I just feel, I guess part of it is... uh that I, it's like a, the third day after a snow day today in New York. And so the mystique behind like, and glamour of the fresh powder <laughs> snow is gone. And now everyone's just like trying to slodge their way through like mushy snow. And uh, it's just like, I don't know. I think it's all just a little much for me. I have, I saw a meme or something, whatever you call those things. I guess it's a meme. Recently, and it showed the perfectly clean cloud streets of New York and then it showed all the snow piled up on the sidewalks and it was like why do we treat cars better than people and I was like oh my god I never thought of that before that's a very interesting point (laughs) yeah I know it's because you know emergency vehicles have to get through but it doesn't really make sense that you the you the the sidewalk shoveling is left up to the owner of the property directly in front of or behind the sidewalk totally yeah and my like I took me like an hour and a half to like park my car after I moved it today and I was just like it's fine it's nothing that happened to me today was like terrible I just felt very busy and like I wasted a lot of time in the car and then also shoveling out my car and my neighbor who I love we have such a great relationship he's elderly he's like probably 70 so he's not elderly elderly but he's older that's a Trump supporter though right he is but I overlook that because (laughs) I don't know he's a nice person and to me and whatever he we shoot the shit he's an old school Italian guy whatever so I'm always doing favors giving him food doing stuff and likewise you know like we help each other out I asked him to borrow his shovel he said no what what was his reason he didn't give me one he was just like didn't answer my text at first and then I was so I'm outside I was like can I borrow that shovel and he's like, ah, oh, well, uh, you know, you don't have your own shovel. And I was like, what? And he, I was like, all right, whatever. So freaking thank the Lord, Mark from Lucali gave me a shovel. And I scratched the shit out of my car getting the snow off with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a shovel when I had a car in New York. Well, you know what? I just don't think I have room for another object in this house. <laughs> the shovel will not do. You leave it in the car. Well, then what am I going to shovel my bodies with? If you need a shovel for bodies, you should buy one and then you'll have it for also snow. See, the thing is a body digging, a grave digging shovel is different than a snow shovel. Mm. You actually don't even want, I didn't have a snow shovel. I had an ice breaking shovel. So it, it was better for oh. digging bodies because it had the sharp pointed edge. Mm, that's so you smart. Could, you could kill people with it. You could bury them with it and you can break ice around your car. You know, because I was in New York when I had my car, when those crazy snowstorms were happening with you couldn't even see your car because the plow had just buried it under piles and piles of snow. And right. offsides parking was canceled for like three weeks. So I just didn't 
go get my car. And then it was like in a frozen <laughs> car shaped shell. <laughs> That's hilarious. And you couldn't like get the wheels unstuck. I had to have like innocent bystanders came and helped me get <laughs> my car out. It was like a very wonderful time. Yeah, that's like one of the only times in New York City. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I feel like there's a camaraderie in New York City all the time. But it's one of the biggest moments of camaraderie after it snows. And people like today, I saw a bunch of strangers helping each other push cars out of the way and shovel snow. Somebody like ran up to me as I was shoveling my car. And he's like, I'll help you shovel your car out. And I was like, okay. He's like, if I can take your spot when you leave. (laughs) That's fair. I was like, that's great. So I got out twice as fast. I want to go back to the point about digging graves quickly. <laughs> Wait, no, I have a, another snowstorm story that I just Okay, go of. ahead. So during one of the snowstorms, I'm traveling. And my, it might have been the one where we we had to close down Brucey, like for the night. But we, had mm. all, and we all ended up having to walk home because it was illegal to Oh, be- yes. That was a big snowstorm. Yeah, it was illegal to even like be on the streets. Or it, it was definitely illegal to drive on the streets. They made it so you're, it wasn't allowed. But anyway, so I was getting a, a Uber to work. It was like a ride share Uber. And so there was someone else in the car with me, another stranger. And the guy literally was like, I just moved here from Africa. I've never driven on snow. I've oh, barely no. even seen snow. Like, I'm, and oh he had a God. car, that, like this teeny tiny little car that could barely like, you know, it was only like an inch <laughs> off the ground. So of course we get stuck. And so we have to, <laughs> he and the passenger get out and push the car and I drove it like I pushed the, <laughs> I drove it and like pushed the gas to get us over the frozen spot that we were stuck in um well, it was story. hilarious <laughs> what a tale huh look at that friends friends who didn't know they were friends yet helping each other get out of a tight spot yeah well we're not friends <laughs> oh okay it ended there you're not friends anymore I got it it's cool I would have shared my number I remember that snowstorm you and me and Luke and George left together and I was like trying to beg you to come to my house and hang out but I don't think you did but that was weird I don't remember any other time in the history of the world when like we were in such trouble for the snow they're like you guys better get <laughs> home there's like a curfew they're like you'll be arrested if you're out playing in the snow why was it was it like snowing daggers or something what was the issue i just think that they're like they closed the subways that's what they did they closed the subways at like 11 or something and then it was illegal to drive so you couldn't get a car you couldn't get an uber get the so fuck we let had me guess walk- bill de blasio was the mayor then i bet <laughs> i don't thanks know. for nothing yes he was thanks for nothing you groundhog squishing fucking buffoon <laughs> um hmm. yeah so i don't even how many inches of snow did we even get that time Oh, I don't remember. It was probably nothing. Like 12 to 15, that's generally <laughs> as much as it snows here. Except for in like, I remember like 2012, it snowed like three feet. And that was pretty intense. I think that's um, when I had the ice shovel. That was a wild one. There was like buses stuck in the street. I was like, what is happening? It was a literal snow apocalypse. Um, Bill de Blasio, speaking of your favorite mayor, <laughs> America's mayor. <Ew>. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, we all know your favorite mayor is Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> oh my god the world uh transportation secretary to you okay (laughs) that's transportation secretary buddha judge if you please um i remember my dad's favorite thing so my dad's anniversary three anniversary of his death was on monday and then groundhog day was yesterday 
And my dad's favorite story ever was about, he loved to talk about every Groundhog Day, how, I guess, I don't know, years and years ago, Bill de Blasio was holding a groundhog as the mayors like to do on Groundhog Day. And he dropped it. And my dad, I've looked for this in the news. I haven't found any confirmation of this story, but his story, and he stuck to it, was that after he dropped the groundhog and like its bones broke, then he then tripped and stepped on it and crushed it with his foot. Oh my God, that groundhog did die though, right? It did die, yes. But like (laughs) my dad just like loved to talk about how de Blasio squished it with his foot because he was a big like buffoon. He is a buffoon. Oh my God. The thought of it is so horrible to like crush a groundhog to death under your foot. What a lot, like, ugh. But anyway, RIP, Dad. (laughs) This one's, Ah. this bud's for you. RIP groundhog. (laughs) Yes, that's true. The groundhog and my dad share death in common they're both dead (laughs) and they both probably hate bill de blasio i'm assuming (laughs) definitely they're just like sitting there in hell or heaven just waiting for de blasio (laughs) anyway oh yeah funny Um, stuff did you see that um screech died no i didn't he died yeah he had lung cancer oh my god i saw like a week ago that he went to the hospital because he had cancer Wow, that's terrifying to know that it can happen so quickly like that. He was only 44. He, and his symptoms were just that he felt pain like all over his whole body. And then he went in and they were like, oh no, you have stage four lung cancer. And then he died. (laughs) Oh my God. That is my worst fear, truly. To like have, like, it's it's the weird bad spot in between dying suddenly, which is like, okay, that sucks. You didn't get to say goodbye. But at least you just die suddenly. You don't know. And then the other side of the coin is like having some time to process, say goodbye, do some things you would want to do. But then that's like the weird middle ground. It's like you kind of die pretty suddenly, but also not really. I feel like if I had like a, you know, six months to live or whatever, I would be too, I would have way too much anxiety to be able to like go to the Eiffel Tower or whatever people do in the movies. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm all just... the movies are always like, don't cry for me. It's okay. I'm at the Eiffel Tower. This baguette <laughs> is still absolutely divine. Don't worry about me. It's cool. Or they're also just like doing all kinds of shit and not telling everyone that they're going to die. But I would be like a disaster. I'd be a basket case. I would tell everyone that I was going to die. And <laughs> I would be stressed out and cry all the time. And I don't understand. In the movies, people are just like, like, you two, you mom, it's too Tommy and She just like goes out and has this wild <laughs> sex affair with a road oh. trip. And then she dies. <laughs> That's mad. Fun. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen that movie since it was oh. released 25 years yeah, ago. It's a really recent <laughs> blockbuster film. Oh, I have a quick correction section I would like to uh, bring up right now from last oh, week's episode. I owe a huge apology to director <laughs> Alexander Payne. Oh, no. Because his movies, I like, tr- I didn't really know much about him. And so I already mentioned last week when researching Sideways that I thought it was a stinker and I was going to laugh about how dumb it was. And it turned out to be great. And so I went from there and watched three other of his movies, all which were great. What are they? I watched uh, D- The Descendants. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's based on a book. It's quite good, though. That is a very good movie. And I watched um, 
uh, about Schmidt. I don't. That movie's good. Yes, it is good. It really yeah. is. It's delightful. It's funny. It's like fun to watch. It's it's heartfelt. I really liked it. Okay. And then I watched. Um, oh my gosh, Citizen Ruth, which was great. It was what with is that one? Laura Dern. And it's like basically she's like addicted to drugs and she's kind of wayward and has a bunch of kids. And so she gets in trouble with the law and the judge is like, the only way I'm not going to send you to jail is if you get an abortion because they found out she was pregnant and they didn't want her having any more kids. So the whole film is like about like pro-abortion people trying to get her to like abort it and anti-abortion folks trying to get her to keep it. It's campy though. It's kind of like, um, it reminded me a lot of Raising Arizona. Really? Yeah. It was really good. It was great. She was great. It was so good. I love wait, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Daughter of Bruce Dern. I watched (laughs) The Mothman Prophecies last night, which has Laura Linney in it. And Oh, that's a different Laura. I was like, she really went out there bold whichever one came first to be the other blonde Laura, you know? Sure. I mean, there can only be one. That's why I'm looking forward to their celebrity death match. Well, there can only be one in Jurassic Park, and that's Laura Dern. Sorry. That's Lori Dern. Lori Laura Dern. Real name, Lori Dern. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus okay. Christ, superstar. Well, Should we get into our topic for this week? Yeah. Let's get okay. into it. We're going to yeah. talk about the old Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Are you because ready for some football? We're passionate about football here. Yeah, totally. The only thing I like about football is Colin Kaepernick, just for the record. And I do like Super Bowl foods. Yeah, I do too. I like Super Bowl foods and I like Super Bowl commercials. And that's why Mm. I'm going to talk to you guys about Super Bowl commercials. Are you ready? Well, I want to mention one other thing I do like about football is the Puppy Bowl. (laughs) I love the Puppy Bowl. I mean. I also love the Westminster Dog Show, which I think. No, that's on Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving. Well, I love that too. Okay. That's cute. Yeah, that's cute. It's good, good, good stuff. Good dog bowl. content. What a great thing to happen to us as Americans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got all this information from a zany little website called Wikipedia. Never heard of uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's zany. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How zany is it? <laughs> um, so... I just want to read its definition of Super Bowl commercials because it gave me a chuckle. <laughs> Super Bowl commercials, colloquial, colloquial no, I can't say this word, <laughs> colloquially known as Super Bowl ads, <laughs> are high-profile television commercials featured on the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, wow. so now everyone, now we're all on the same page. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, they are also iconic. Mm-hmm. And do you know why? Um, no, Nicole, why? Because everyone on the fucking planet is watching. According to Nielsen, of the top 20 most watched television shows in the history of the world, only one is not a Super Bowl. Which one? The finale of MASH. Duh. Wow, that is not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say the finale of the Bob Newhart show. (laughs) <laughs> that was also pretty high up there, I think. I know. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. Um, so it, Super Bowl viewership reached an all-time peak in the year 2015. Patriots versus the Seahawks. Uh, when 114.4 million souls watched the Super Bowl. Wow. 
Wowie wee. Um, but since then, viewership has been falling. They blame it on streaming. I blame it on the fact that football's stupid. Um, yes. 98.2 million people watched in 2019. 99.9 million watched in 2020. And just imagine all of those almost 100 million people blissfully unaware that COVID-19 was about to kill all of them. <laughs> it's not funny, but it also <laughs> is a little bit only because like it was one of the last big things before, you know, the world completely changed that. It's and like of course, like throwing potato chips into their mouths. COVID <laughs> was already here in February, but exactly. Really They're just know. licking nacho dust off, or Cheeto dust off their fingers and their friend's fingers. And We're little did like, we know. Yeah. We're like, huh. We haven't had a big snow this year. I guess we're going to have another mild winter. Yeah. <laughs> at least, thank the Lord, Eminem didn't surprisingly show up like he did at the Oscars. <laughs> Crept into the Super Bowl. Although, we don't know what's going to happen this year. He'll probably be there. He, well, he could be watching it. Um, <laughs> since the year 2000, CBS has had a show that just chronicles all the best Super Bowl ads that air that day. So. Wow. They figured out that people just want to watch it for the the ads, not for the actual sports where men literally give each other concussions to the point where they lose their minds and kill themselves. And (laughs) And their wives and their ex-wives. Shoot themselves in the chest so their brains can be studied. Sparked up! (laughs) It truly is. Have you ever seen that movie, Any Given Sunday? Yes. I've seen a lot of football movies where someone who claims to not like football. Yeah, I've seen Any Given Sunday, and I just remember that it was so striking to me, like, how much these people hurt themselves during the game. Also, I watched Friday Night Lights. Also, the biggest football movie ever made is Varsity Blues. Oh, Rudy. I have a Rudy t-shirt, dude. I found a fucking Rudy (laughs) t-shirt at, like, a Salvation Army, like, two years ago, and I just wore it, like, the other day. (laughs) <laughs> um single guys out there call me <laughs> it's the number one football movie because it's set in indiana my dad actually doesn't even like this super bowl movie so what he can what can you do wait rudy is a super bowl movie it's a football movie he football doesn't call movie. it the super bowl sorry 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 i was no i was like this. did i miss something in there <laughs> how good could this kid <laughs> be college football they don't go to the super bowl they go to like the rose bowl or something i don't know um, <laughs> Okay, so as you may or may not imagine, um, it costs a lot of money to get a commercial on the Super Bowl because allegedly people are going to watch it and then figure out for the very first time what Coca-Cola is and then buy some. (laughs) So in 1867, the first Super I'm just kidding. It's 1967. (laughs) You just want to see if I'm still listening. In 1967, Super Bowl One, which is the only Super Bowl that I can correctly pronounce, because um, <laughs> of the Roman numerals, um, Super Bowl One, it cost thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars to buy ad space. Okay. In, in the year 2000, it cost two point two million dollars. <gasps> in 2015. It costs $4.5 million, and in the year 2020, that's $5.6 million for 30 seconds of airtime. 
It doesn't seem, like, I know this is going to sound wild of me to say, it doesn't seem like that much for some reason. Well, you still have to pay to film the commercial after you bought that airspace. That's true. I guess I'm just thinking that, like, a company like, I don't know, Motorola, your favorite. (laughs) Motorola? Are they even still around? Look, I'm just thinking that a company like Pets.com or Napster... (laughs) They're going to come a lot later. Of loose cash lying around. Oh, pets.com. Oh, thank, thank the Lord. Okay. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like, I would have thought maybe more, but I'm glad to know that I can afford it. <laughs> I'm going to do one next year. You should. Okay. Um, in Canada, even though I, apparently a bunch of people watch the Super Bowl in Canada, I don't know why. I guess Makes they don't no have football teams there. Who knows? Um, you actually can't watch the Super Bowl commercials because there's like a broadcasting act that makes it so you have to watch locally aired commercials no matter what show you're watching. Wow, what a disappointment. There's even like a lawsuit about it. They tried to like, they're, they went to court and they're like, we have to get these Super Bowl commercials on TV because the Canadian customers are demanding it. And sure. Justin Trudeau was like, no. <gasps> um, that's not true. He had nothing to do with it. But um, the courts... The courts basically like overturned whatever ruling, and then so they, people in Canada can never see a Super Bowl commercial. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, I'm sorry too. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um. So now we're moving on to everyone's favorite part, which is where I describe a commercial to you. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um. I highly recommend that you watch these on the internet if any of them sound intriguing, because I'm not going to do the best job. Do the voices. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1970, Dick Budkiss, a Chicago Bears lineman. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I know this person. I've heard this name before, but what is a worse name than Dick Budkiss? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just please? We don't know. They, didn't have to, they didn't first so many things didn't have to happen they didn't have to name him richard but if they did they also did not have to call him dick dick butt kiss i mean like that is the most make fun of you name available yeah but maybe you know 1970 was a simpler time who knows <laughs> um so he's a chicago bears lineman he had a commercial where he endorsed prestone antifreeze and the tagline was plugging holes is my business of course it is butt kiss, dick butt kiss. I mean, that's a fucking, that's an easy hit there. I think he was talking about his role as a lineman, but we'll Sound, never know. Sounds like he was talking about his role as a butt kiss. In 1973, <laughs> Nogzima, described by Wikipedia as a lotion company, <laughs> had pre-Charlie's Angels, Farrah Fawcett, Cream Joe Namath, who is a famous football player. Maybe you've heard of him. I have, yes. So she just smears Noxzema brand shaving cream all over his face. Who knew they had a shaving cream? Not I, because it was a while before I was born. And way longer before I started shaving my face. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's a Super Bowl commercial. Because I'm a fan. You know, I used to watch them for the commercials. In 1974, Master Locks, who apparently still makes commercials like this is a tradition that started in 1974 um they were like oh you know it'll be super cool to demonstrate how tough our locks are or if we have a commercial where someone shoots a rifle at them and they don't destruct (laughs) 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 um this idea was originally like conceived years before but people were like oh no we shouldn't do that because people will try it at home 
but then nineteen rolls around. They're like, who cares? Let's just do it. Sure. Um, so they still do a version of that ad today. I just don't remember. I guess because I don't give a shit about locks or guns. Yeah, totally. Um, when I see a lock commercial come on, I just zone right out. Yeah, I just put my face right in the nachos. Um, but so but they say, they claim, Wikipedia claims rather, that this Super Bowl commercial is directly responsible for their increase of sales from 1973 to 1994, from $35 million to $200 million. I'd like wow. to see the proof on that. Um because you can't directly link a commercial to sales, you know? Totally. It is a hard it is a hard thing to trace. Um, in 1980, this is a heartwarming one. I'm Coca-Cola, ready. maybe you've heard of it, had a Super Bowl <laughs> commercial called Hey Kid Catch. Oh, where love it. Mean Joe Green is offered a Coca-Cola by a little kid, and he drinks it all in one drink, and he turns around and throws his jersey at the kid his game-worn jersey, and he's like... Sweaty jersey all over his face. And the kid's like, this is disgusting. He is, but then that kid also retired to, like, Fort Lauderdale with that jersey money years later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That commercial won a Clio, and in 2011, it was declared the best Super Bowl commercial of all time. Wow. I mean, I have seen that commercial a couple times. It's fine. Is it the best ever? Is it better than the Clydesdales with their fur hooves? The Budweiser frogs. I mean, I guess I'm a sucker for. I'm revealing myself as a Budweiser Budweiser enthusiast. <laughs> um, so yeah, best commercial of all time. Debatable. There's tons of parodies of it. There's a Simpsons parody. There is a Coke Zero parody where they parody their own commercial. Look it up. It's out there, people. Um, another commercial you may not necessarily remember. Because it came out the year you were born, but the Apple Macintosh 1984 commercial was a Super Bowl commercial. And that was directed by Ridley Scott, which I did not know. Wow. Yeah, that's my first memory. That's my first memory. (laughs) Um, So, I I mean, I guess some people may not be familiar with it, but essentially it's a, you know, a scene from 1984, the book, a bunch of drones listening to a guy drone at them a hot lady in a like cute 80s running outfit comes in and swings uh, a hammer right through the screen and they're like 1984 is not going to be like 1984 and everyone's like yay Steve Jobs you're so cool <laughs> wow that, that's very provocative mm-hmm. you've seen this commercial right I don't think so really I mean, I'm sure I have but it, it's not ringing a bell well, I hope that our listeners have seen it, but I guess you all maybe are too young. It was really, I don't know. I've seen it a lot. I didn't see it when it came out because I was four. But, um, I'm picturing you watching it like oh, every day when you get up. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of your favorite beer, Budweiser parent company Anheuser-Busch set up a deal with the NFL so that they got all of their Super Bowl slots at a huge, huge discount for many years. All the way through Super really? Bowl 50. Yeah. Oh, um, sounds like someone's doing some dick butt kissing. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Zing, uh, butt kiss. <laughs> take that. They have had a Clydesdale's commercial in every fucking Super Bowl since 1975, but that ended in 2017. So 1975 to 2017. Why? Why did it end? You know, I have no idea. They probably killed all the Clydesdales or something. Clydesdales are extinct? <laughs> 
Now, have you ever seen a Clydesdale in real life? They're so big. I have such a furry ankle. They make yes. furry ankles look great. They're so big, though. They're, like, terrifyingly huge. They're, like, the size of a bear, but they're a horse. <laughs> I know. It is too big. I'm glad they're extinct. <laughs> Thank God. Um... In 1987, we got to see, for the very first time, Spuds McKenzie, the dog, the beer fan, Mm -hmm. the legend. Yep. (laughs) Um, In 1995, the Budweiser Frogs came. I I remembered that commercial, but I didn't. I was like, how did this become one of the most popular commercials on earth? And I rewatched it today, and I still am like, I have the same question. (laughs) Yeah, beats me. Obviously, I'm not interested in it whatsoever, as I hate frogs more than anything else in this natural world i mean frogs learning to read sure look i don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> let's move on okay in 1999 we got the what's up commercial or oh no or what's up i don't know i can't do no! it no <laughs> what's up no don't do it <laughs> that you wasn't me in, you fell into my trap <laughs> it's impossible not to do it even though you don't want to so this is an iconic commercial to quote wikipedia um but you guys probably remember it this is from 99 you all were alive um three four friends call each other on the phone they say what's up to each other for like they say a, what's up an extended period of time <laughs> <laughs> call me again still single please call me i do so, i can do the whatsapp impression i also want to tell you this is a great opportunity for me to share i one of the few people watched the 2008 two-minute follow-up movie uh Ooh. where the same i believe it was the same director um don't quote me on that though he made a follow-up commercial <laughs> where it's all the same actors but the first frame, the original guy is sitting in his house and it's being foreclosed on. And the, his other friend has broken neck and a broken arm. And then his other buddy is calling him from fighting in Iraq. What? <laughs> Do yeah. you think this is in poor taste to have someone sitting getting their house foreclosed on in 2008? Or is it supposed to be like that? That's what it. That's what he's saying. He has We're in guy. on the joke. He's in on the joke. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, this guy's lost his house. His friend is fighting in Iraq. Okay. His other buddy can't afford to get painkillers for his broken neck and broken arm. Oh, my God. His other friend is Barack Obama. And then his other friend (laughs) who calls in on the intercom is getting killed by a hurricane. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is... Well, first of all, I've loved the... If the same director made it, I love his ability to laugh at himself. Well, I think he's mostly being like, the world is really fucked up, you guys. But I'm gonna try to make a like funny follow up commercial just to remind you all of it. Right, very good, love it. I'm gonna watch that. Um, I wonder what they're doing now. <laughs> Those guys. No, they already look so old in the remake. Yeah, they're probably all perished by this point. Sorry, R.I.P. to the <laughs> what's up guys. In the year 2000, that Super Bowl was called the dot com Super Bowl because so many commercials were for dot com companies such as E Trade. Pets.com, etc. Mm. RIP to Pets.com. Most of the companies that advertised during that Super Bowl shut down before the year was out because the dot-com bubble was deflating mm. and it eventually burst around the year that I graduated from college so that I couldn't get a job. So how many bubbles have burst in your lifetime, Zara? <laughs> well, 
It was a cold <laughs> night in January 1984. Let's start there. A lot of bubbles. I have no um, bubbles left. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's a funny moment in time because all of these dot com companies and everyone was like, Pets.com, it's so great. <laughs> what did you even get? You got pets on it or you got stuff for your pets? I make I joke about pets.com almost every day and I don't know what they sold. If they sold pets or pet supplies. I think they sold supplies, so you don't have okay. to go to the store. It was got like it. the it was the beginning of like you don't have to go to the store. Right, 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 right. Um Gone too in, soon. in twenty fourteen, Coca-Cola, it's back, had a commercial called It's Beautiful. And it showed the first same-sex couple to ever be in a fucking Super Bowl commercial, which is insane. Mm. And what's even more insane is that it had a multicultural theme. So the song that was sung in it was sung in different languages. Mm. And there was a backlash of anti-immigration cool dudes um, oh, yes. who started a hashtag called Speak American. Oh and my said god! That, oh, that they should not have had different languages spoken in that commercial, um, because that's not what Americans do. <laughs> right? No one's ever spoken a different language in America. Whenever, okay, whatever. Yeah, we all agree okay. these people are terrible. So I thought I remembered a lot more Super Bowl commercials, but I didn't. So I had to go to the internet for the best Super Bowl commercials. But if you have one, submit it to our hotline. Yes, um, please. One nine hundred Dick Buckus. <laughs> the ones that I pulled up are the Ray Charles, you got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. Commercial. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Great commercial. Just a classic good old-fashioned commercial, you know? Sure. Um, and are you going to go through specific Doritos commercials? No. Okay, great. So I also have the Doritos crystal ball commercial where <laughs> a man... And another man are talking to each other outside of a vending machine at their work. And this guy's like, this crystal ball, it's real. He's like, dude, it's not real. And he's like, yes, it is. And he's like, I want to have some free Doritos. And he turns and he smashes <laughs> the vending machine glass with his crystal ball. <laughs> Doritos has some good commercials for sure. Um, there's the Cindy Crawford Pepsi commercial where she's just staying there looking super hot, drinking a Pepsi, and like that one's under- fucked up though. <laughs> underage boys are like, hey, they're like really underage, and they're like really like. I mean, we know we find out at the end that they're fiending for the Pepsi, but they're like getting like we're watching two like nine year olds like get horny. It's really <laughs> awkward. Uh, um, and I think the greatest commercial. From a Super Bowl is the 1984 classic "Where's the Beef" by ah, Beef. It's great with the old ladies. Where's the, the star, beef? The star of that "Where's the, the Where's the Beef" woman was 80 years old when she made that commercial. It's so, a great commercial. You know, don't let society tell you when your acting career is over. Okay. Absolutely, and don't settle for too little beef. <laughs> Where is the beef? Okay, that's what I'd like to know. Call yeah. me. <laughs> that's amazing, Nicole. What a great roundup of commercials. Oh, no problem. Cool. Let's um, take a break. All right, let's take a fucking break. I need to go lay down. Okay. Okay. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. 
As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. I laid down. Okay. I took a long nap. And I just you, sat here patiently waiting for you to come back. You just looked at me. You looked at your phone. And then it's at like, the wall. She, like, where is she? Nicole already gave away what I was going to talk about, but that's your whole... okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. No one was listening anyway. I'm sorry, listener, if you're still with us. I'm talking today about the best snack and something that I feel like is quintessential Super Bowl. Wouldn't you say that a Dorito is quintessential Super Bowl snack? If you were going to think about the chip of the Super Bowl, would you think Dorito, Nicole? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Me too. Now, before we get into this, I'm going to need to know something about you that I'm very shocked that I don't already know because I know what a chip fan you are. Are you a Cool Ranch or are you Nacho Cheese? I don't. I think you know. I think you're Nacho. That's right. Okay. How do you feel about Cool Ranch? It's fine. If it's the only chip there, I'll eat it. I love it, but I don't prefer it to nacho, and I think people who do are, are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. I think people who do use snow shovels to dig graves. <laughs> imagine <laughs> imagine going to the store and having an option between the two and choosing Cool Ranch. I just yeah. can't fathom it. That's a red flag. Although, I think both, to get, like, have you ever eaten them together? In tandem? Probably, I'm sure. That's good. That's good eating. That's eating good in the neighborhood. TBH, my favorite flavor is Salsa Verde, but you can't find that shit anywhere. Oh, well, you're going to absolutely love the end of my story when I talk to you about all the wacky flavors that the Doritoverse has to offer us. So I got a lot of this information for mental floss, and I'm going to just get right the hell into it. Doritos translates to little golden things, which is adorable. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> Me neither. Some people say that they were invented in Disneyland um, in like the 60s. Apparently there was a, a rep for Alex Food, which supplied. Okay, so Fritos came first. And okay. they were ripped off from some, quote unquote, a Mexican man selling extruded corn chips. So there's a difference in the way you make tortilla chips and Fritos. And Fritos are made use, like using extruded corn. Almost how you would like make pasta. Hmm. But with corn, um, not without the like nixmalization that they use to make um, tortilla chips. So anyway, so interesting. Fritos came first, and they had a Casa del Fri- Casa de Fritos in Disneyland. And when the rep who supplied Casa de Fritos in Disneyland stopped by, he saw that the cooks were throwing out like unused tortillas, and he was like, "You guys should throw those into the fryer and and sell them." As chips. So that's lore. We don't know if that's true. Um, what most people say is that Arch West, 
who was um, the marketing executive for Frito-Lay, was with his family on vacation in SoCal in 1964, and he brought a quote-unquote grease-smeared bag of toasted tortillas at a roadside check. And then so he brought that idea to Frito-Lay in, like, 1965. And then in 66, they were storming shelves in America. But guess what? They didn't have any flavored dust on them. They were plain. Right. I mean, interesting. You can't find a plain Dorito now. I almost would want to know what one... Is it just a toasty dough, you think? Yeah, it's just a corn chip. I know, but something about it just, like, intrigues me. I want to see a naked Dorito. So sue me. (laughs) So in 19... You can rinse one off. That's true. You know what? (laughs) I've licked them clean many a time as a child. And then eaten the, like, soggy licked version afterwards. (laughs) Kids are weird. Especially when left alone for too, too long in a latchkey situation. So, um, 19... My mom just comes home. She's, like, been gone for nine hours. She's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, I licked this whole bag of Doritos completely clean. (laughs) Um, okay. So, in 1968, they introduced taco-flavored Doritos... Which I also love. The I've never had the taco. So interesting. I think you have. Because they were in the 80s. Huh. They were like ubiquitous. How do you say that word? Ubiquitous. <laughs> you remember the old bags with the see-through window in the center? Yes, yes. Loved that. Um, I feel like you might have just had one and not realized that it wasn't nacho cheese. Because oh, yeah. they were everywhere. Were they similar tasting? They had a different flavor, if I recall, but I could be making that up. Because they, they re-released them. Anyway, you probably are going to talk about this. but Well, uh, yeah. So, first of all, I'd like to say that I, in, in an era where everything seems to be being redone in, like, its earliest form of its nostalgia, I don't understand why the Doritos bags haven't switched back to their earlier design. Because it seems like so much more... I don't know. It seems more desirable than that, like, 90, 1999 Dorito bag. Like, you know what I mean? I like, crazy, it's like. Aggressive. Yeah, but it's also just the, so uh, cool. Because the old Cool Ranch bag is so cute and chic. But, um. Super. Yeah. When they did the throwback taco flavor, they had the throwback bag. I think it's, it like, just, in the yeah. summertime they do. I don't know. I just I saw think they should go back. Right I personally really think they should go back. The bag, it's just not quite right anymore. Um. Or just redo it all together. So anyway, the nacho flavor came in 1972 and Cool Ranch came out in 1986. They tweaked the recipe in 92 to eliminate Dorito breath. Um, I've heard the term Dorito breath and certainly if you eat Doritos, you have like a garlicky, very pungent breath. But I mean, like, do you ever remember it being worse before 1992? No, but I wasn't, like, aware of my breath before 1992, you know? <laughs> yeah, you were just, like, a 12-year-old who was just, like, very self-conscious about Dorito breath. You're like, I would, but my breath. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would partake in this Dorito munching party, but my breath. Um, <laughs> so, okay. In 1984, Doritos was taking in $1.3 billion a year, which seems like a lot of money for corn chips. Um... <clears throat> but anyway, PepsiCo invested $50 million um, in what the Times called the costliest redesign in Frito-Lay history. And that is when they like did the kind of like crazy Dorito bag. The revamped Doritos boasted stronger flavor, while each <laughs> chip was 15% thinner and 20% larger. They were thinner? Yeah. 
They made them thinner. That's like a big percentage of thinness. I guess they were thicker, like regular tortilla chips back in the day. I guess. I mean, like they must have been like a restaurant style tortilla chip. Um, I have no memory of that. So the new chips, now this I find very funny. The new chips also had rounded corners where the previous versions had sharp points. A triumph for both eaters and fans. <laughs> no more sliced open throats for you, Doritos eaters. Eaters and fans, like there's a separate distinction. Right, like some people just eat them for like work and some people eat them because they're fans. Some people are just like, God, if I have to eat another Dorito. Um, it's easier to eat them without sharp, sharp corners, Jerry Vogel, director of corn products for Frito-Lay says. And a lot of the scrap in the bottom of the bag was just from corners breaking off. It was just waste. Okay, but there's still a lot of scrap in the bottom of the bag, Jerry Vogel. Jerry Vogel, please call into the show. We have we have some questions for you. Jennifer Lawrence, apparently, while filming the David O. Russell film American Hustle, um, was eating so many Doritos and just like wiping them on her white outfit that they ha- the costume designer was like really angry with her and she kept having to like take it off and get it cleaned. What? Yeah, and so. The costume designer is quoted as saying, Jennifer Lawrence is, quote, a very, let's say, raw and intuitive young lady. And she's got, and she's not against eating Doritos and snack food in her costume. Okay, but she wiped, like, what kind of person wipes their dirty hands? I mean, I, I definitely know. have wiped my dirty hands on, like, my jeans before. Of but course. not my white costume. When you're about to be starring in a movie. But, oh I mean... Stars, they're just like us, am I right? That or reminds not. me, though, or worse. I, I follow a gossip blog um, on Instagram.com, and they recently reported that another Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, will not turn down a Cool Ranch Dorito. Good for her. Thank the Lord. I love her. And now I love her even more. In <laughs> 2007, Nicole, they changed the game of the, um, commercial, the commercial game, that is, by introducing... Crash the Super Bowl, a contest which challenged fans to create a Doritos commercial for the chance to win $100,000 and attend the big game. The competition ran for nine years, with two fan-made commercials earning the highest number of views of all Super Bowl ads. Did I figure out which one those were? No, I didn't. My curiosity stopped there. <laughs> I watched one of the crowdsourced commercials. What, what, what was it? I don't know. It was boring. It was so boring I stopped watching it at the beginning. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, they're only 30 <laughs> seconds long. That's so funny. Listen, it was no Snapple commercial where people in high school competed to have the best Snapple commercial. Didn't we talk about that on the show? Yes, those were amazing. The Snapple lady is incredible. So I pointed out one commercial which gave me a mixed, a myriad of mixed emotions. It's one in which a man fakes his own death to be buried in a castle. <laughs> oh, I, I watched that one as well. And he's watching the Super Bowl inside of it. Now, this man could have been buried alive. The mm-hmm. worst way to die. But for him, it was worth it so he could eat all the Doritos he wanted while he was laying in them. But, as fate would have it, he cheered too hard for the Super Bowl. He rolled out of his casket onto the floor, uh, revealing that he was, in fact, very much alive and covered in probably the most amount of Dorito dust that anyone ever has been. So, I there's a lot to talk about in this commercial. So, in the commercial, it's obvious that his wife doesn't know. That mm-hmm. he's faked his own death. Right. His buddies do know, and they're they're narrating it for us so we understand what's going on. Um, They've chosen so not they, to speak up, <laughs> even as guy, his family mourns. The reason that he faked his own death is so he could get one week off of work 
And so he could achieve his dream of being buried in a casket filled with Doritos. And then it cuts to him inside the casket, fully alive, and eating Doritos, which he's completely surrounded with, just out of the bag, sprinkled into the thing. Um, (laughs) Lots of bits. Lots of bits. And he's watching TV in there while everyone's at his funeral. And farting into them, I'm sure. if If I'm to believe any other TV show that I've seen where someone gets stuck in a casket, you can't breathe in there. So... Yeah, it's a really bad plan. And it's really just, I think, in every way, a sign of all things that are wrong with America from (laughs) top to bottom, from capitalism to junk food. It really runs the gamut of the problematic uh, series of problems that we have in this country. Um, so now I want to talk to you, Nicole, about something that I think will make you chuckle. Yeah, I just want to mention, as with last week, when I re-listened to our episode, I want to really start by saying that, like, I don't ha- it's not a goldmine to shame anyone for the, their taste or their budget, really, at all. So I hope that that translates, and also now, as well, with these disgusting Doritos flavors that are gross, and if you like them, you're a fucking serial killer. Wait, hold on, hold on. Are you going to talk about 3D Doritos? No, I'm not, but those were interesting. I liked them. They reminded me a little bit of Bugles. I don't like Bugles. I like Bugles a lot, and if someone was to send me, let's say, I don't know, a casket full of Bugles, I would accept their hand in marriage. Oh, I don't, they taste stinky, you know? like the oh, smell maybe that's my problem i'm sitting here eating way too many <laughs> maybe if i could just quit bugles <laughs> once when, and for all when were 3d <sighs> i have to imagine in the late 90s there's no other time that history could have provided us with such a silly snack oh you can still for the record you can still purchase them okay great so send one <laughs> casket please to me full of bugles <laughs> which i haven't had since i was seven and send a casket full of 3d doritos to nicole and we'll bury oh, ourselves in them they're gonna release them in 2021 we're gonna get them back 3d doritos they're coming back guys it's gonna rain 3d doritos as a sign you know, of the apocalypse I, just, I remember them being good but not having the same powdered flavor like the flavor of the nacho wasn't the same as a flat mm. dorito in yeah. my teenage mind i would love to because i love nothing more than doritos on a sandwich on like a turkey sandwich with cheese and mayonnaise and my mouth is actually watering right now talking about this (laughs) but like imagine a bunch of 3d doritos you can really squish it down the sandwich starts really high and then you just give it a good swap whap okay let's get into this nicole here sorry one more thing i just want everyone to know yeah Mm -hmm. the 3d doritos are already back they came back on groundhog day so get out there and get them Get right out there. Just shut this episode off now. Pull over your car and run. Don't walk <laughs> to your nearest convenience store. Okay. These, this is a section I've labeled as weird flavors. The first one is tuna mayo. <gasps> is that in Japan and not America? It is. Uh, many of these uh, are not. Actually, none of these are in America. Many oh. of them are in Japan and Korea <clears throat> and other places like Germany and France. <laughs> okay. Germany. I'm going to run through these. Germ- like Germany and also France. Um, sausage. Ew, Germany. Che- that was also in um, Japan. Yeah. Cheese and almond. Cheese this- and almond? Yeah, cheese French. and almond. No, no, this is also in Japan. The <laughs> Most of them, I have to say, are from Japan and Korea. This isn't a guessing game that you want me to guess this, the country? You can. Fried chicken. Not America? I guess Japan. 
Yes, Japan. Fondue. Germany. Korea. Korea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Roe and mayo. Japan. Yes. Steak. Steak. Japan. Yes. Now, what do you think a steak chip tastes like? Probably good. Probably good. You know what? Honestly, I'm sure all of these chips are good. They're chips. Most chips are good. There's only like a handful of chips in this world that I've tried where I'm like, I really don't like this. Yeah, like, like shrimp, shrimp chips. Well, I those like are those. Yeah, those are good. Sesame them. chicken. Sounds delicious. Butter flavor. Please <gasps> get at me. A this butter one. flavored corn chip? I don't know. I'm into it. I'll try anything once. It, Win- like pop- it probably tastes like popcorn. It probably does, yeah. Winter crab. <laughs> I'm not sure how that differs from summer crab. Maybe it's covered in snow. Okay, this one I thought was very strange. Fresh basil and smoked fresh Italian ham, which are counter or you know cancel each other out you can't be smoked and fresh so which is it doritos are you smoked or are you fresh are you smoked are you fresh are you fresh or are you smoked fresh basil and smoked fresh italian ham this next one is maybe the only one i wouldn't want to try uh italian seafood pizza (laughs) oh i would try it okay stir fry sounds good um overseas they call cool ranch cool american (laughs) i knew which is an oxymoron um oh okay this one hails from uh different places in the middle east yogurt and mint sounds great yeah they also have tomato and onion salad what that's a dorito flavor yeah tomato and onion salad i think that sounds very good yeah i would love roasted turkey comes out in japan and it comes in the shape of a christmas tree (laughs) i love it also from japan they have corn soup crispy the chip yeah corn soup the chip Crispy salmon, black garlic, which is a completely black chip with black powder on it. Oh. Clam chowder. Okay. Third degree burn. <laughs> what? Is that what it's called? It's a spicy. It's a spicy chip. It'll burn in your mouth. It'll burn in your throat. It'll burn in your asshole. That's a three burns. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. It's Italian. Um, late night, all night cheeseburger. Okay. I've had that before, I think. And this one. Is from France. Camembert cheese. <laughs> Ew, why would they make a Dorito? A corn chip with camembert? People are crazy. I know. This world has just gone straight down the toilet. Am I right? Or am I right? <laughs> anyway, that's Doritos, folks. There's Global more to learn, but not here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Dorito salsa verde, though. They're, you, they're not on your list because I guess they're in America. Yeah. But I never, I was obsessed with them my whole life, ever since I very first had one, and I can never find them anymore. Sounds delicious. Before we get out of here, can I ask you, please, what are your three favorite Super Bowl kind of snacks? Like things you, you know, are known to have on the Super Bowl? Uh, nachos, obviously. Obviously. Number one. Doritos. Mmm. And what I like to do with Doritos, which is maybe controversial, is dip my nacho cheese doritos into ranch dressing oh that so sounds great that sounds delicious. great um and then my third is just dip i love every kind of dip that there mm. is and so you know deconstructed nachos could be argued is dip so totally i, I put my hand up on your hip and when i dip <laughs> you dip we dip That's um, that whole thing <laughs> it's an all dip restaurant i love dip too and i miss being able to share dip with people and trade viruses and diseases 
mm-hmm. wouldn't kill you, but just would keep you out of work for maybe a week so you could sleep in a casket full of nachos. Um, so mine are, of course, nachos, number one, that goes without saying. Love pigs in a blanket. Oh, yeah. Never, ever get to have them. I'm going to go ahead and just throw one in here. I know it's kind of in the nacho vein, but um, I love seven layer dip. Oh, that's great. I mean, layer upon layer of deliciousness. And uh, I really like boneless buffalo wings. Oh, me too. Although I just got yelled at recently because they're just chicken nuggets. And I was like, that's fine. They are just chicken nuggets. But I just want to call them boneless buffalo wings. Yeah, but that that is their name. I will sue you. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. So (laughs) at our pop-up this week for the Zaza lasagna, we're doing nacho lasagna. Mm. And it's like layers of like nacho cheese that we're making, obviously, refried beans that are vegetarian, a bean chili that's vegetarian, cilantro and scallions, and then the top layer has nacho cheese and it gets topped with crushed up, um, finely ground Cool Ranch and nacho cheese Doritos in like a dust. I love that. I know. Really fun. So if you've ordered from us, you can be expecting a lot of Dorito dust in your future, people. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in here to this football show about football and penises. <laughs> Sweat. Wow. <laughs> Cleats. Dick Butkus. <laughs> Dick Butkus. I would love to hear it. Like on Jeopardy, who is Dick Butkus? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's wrong. The answer is who is OJ Simpson? <clears throat> Whoa. Whoa, somebody. Now the party's getting sort of. <laughs> Did somebody say OJ? Um, okay, I feel like that's enough. Amanda has begged and pleaded with us to finish within one hour, and I guess we'll give it to her because she is a nice person. <laughs> she is a nice person. Um, oh, don't say we never get right. anything for you, Amanda. We're ending our listening. Super Bowl episode early. Yes, thanks for listening. Nicole, I love you. And I hope that you get to eat piles and piles of chos. Are you going to eat chos? Yeah, I'm going to make chos. I made salsa today. Um, you know, I don't care if my family is into it or not. They're like, what is this smoothie? And I'm like, that's salsa. Shut up. Yeah, good. Tell your family to fuck off. Everyone, <laughs> not just you, everybody. Get your family on the phone right now and say, hey, family, I've had enough of you. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the horn. Talk uh, about dick bug kiss. Yeah. And go <laughs> go, go Colts. Yeah, go Colts. Okay, great. Um, all right, guys. Well, hasta la pasta la butt kiss. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.